What happens if you have to hide from a ghost that can appear anywhere? Well, all ghosts can do that, but this ghost is extra creepy. Extra creepy ghost. And then we travel to Germany to try to unravel a bizarre string of murders. Has someone somehow committed the perfect crime year after year? Or is the serial killer from another dimension? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys had an awesome time yesterday listening to yesterday's episode. Maybe you're binging this on the weekend. I hope you guys had a good minute in between episodes. Let's go ahead and give a shout out to our newest Patreon supporters. Stomping into Dead Rabbit Command, knocking over all of our equipment, is Godrilla. Everyone give a round of applause to Godrilla as you run in terror from this uh, gorilla Godzilla combination, or maybe it's Gorilla and God combined. I'm not for sure. But Godrilla, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, or if you guys are just a normal human being, that's okay too. Just help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. So, Godrilla, we're going to toss you the keys. You catch them in your giant monkey hand. Ah! You crush the keys. I have to make you some new keys. We're going to toss you the keys to the. Dead Rabbit Dirgible, we are leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed out to Japan. Dead Rabbit Dirgible is flying over the ocean. I gotta make a quick comment here. I think I've discovered the cure uh, to not dying. I mean, other than not, not doing stupid stuff like letting a gorilla pilot your dirgible. You know, I'm on beta blockers because I had that uh, AFib in my heart. And my heart rate is so low all the time now because I'm on beta blockers. My pulse, because I have to check it all the time. I don't have to check it all the time. I just get paranoid. My pulse is like normally like 60 beats per minute, which is almost like top tier athlete. Why isn't everyone on beta blockers? Why isn't everyone on this medication? I've suffered no ill side effects from it. How come everyone's not on a pill to make their heart beat slower? Like, my heart rate at rest is the same as Michael Jordan's heart rate at rest. And that's dope, right? I have Michael Jordan's heart in me. I have Michael Jordan's heart in me. How come everyone's not taking beta blockers to just to lower their heart rate? I don't know. Are you a doctor? Are you a doctor? Are you a pharmacist? Go ask your boss. How come and everyone doesn't get baby? I'm not talking about babies and stuff like that, right? You don't put it in their bottle. But if everyone could have the resting heart rate of a top-tier athlete, why wouldn't people, why wouldn't they just give these pills out? I don't know. But anyways, I'm not a pharmacist. There might be some reason for that. Who knows? But anyways, um, that, that was that segment. Did you guys like that first story? No, I just realized that. I was checking my pulse before I started the show. And I was like, man, this is good. My heart rate's dope. Normally, I guess it's like at 80 beats per minute. Now it's at 60. So I've prolonged my life. Your your heart rate. They say every heart beats a million times and then it starts to give out. That's why larger animals whose hearts beat slower, they live longer. Like elephants and whales and things like that. Creatures like hummingbirds that have... That's their heart. They die quicker. And humans, your heart beats about a million beats per minute. That's not true. <laughs> That's not true. I don't even think the Flash's heart beats a million beats per minute. 
A human heart will beat basically a million times, and then after that, it'll start to have flaws. So that's why people who are unhealthy, their heart's beating more often. They have a shorter lifespan. So it's just one of the things that causes you to die early, but how come they're not giving everyone beta blockers? That's not me rambling. That's an actual segment of this story, but I did just come up with it. Godrilla, Godrilla's taking all my beta blockers. I'm like, no, no, I need those. He's like, oh, me, Godrilla, wants super slow gorilla heart. So while we stop at the pharmacy, because he took all mine, and then we have to get his stomach pumped, we are in Japan. Now, I'm going to say I got most of my information about this story from a website called Kawabana. It's actually a website of a Japanese horror podcast. So they cover everything from Japanese horror movies to Japanese creepypastas. Uh, the host of the show, Tara A. Devlin, she's written a ton of books on the subject. And it, basically the books are like collections of creepypasta, Japanese creepypasta. And she has a, a podcast. I have not listened to the podcast itself, but I wanted to give that podcast a shout out. The website seems really, really cool. I got a lot of cool information from it. We may be revisiting the site in the future as well. So while we're in Japan... Me and Godrilla are both in the hospital. You decide to go back home until we're both better. Because that's the kind of friend you are. You leave us when we're in need. And you go back home. You hit your ride home on a on a uh, competing podcast, Dirigible. You're at home and you're reading a book. Oh, this book's really interesting as you're turning the pages. You're illiterate. You don't actually, you're just saying that out loud in case anyone's listening as your eyes shift from side to side. I love reading. And you put the book down. And you're sitting there, and you see movement out of the corner of your eye. You're like, huh? What? And you turn and you look. And what's weird is that where you saw movement, it's impossible. Because you saw movement. You know, I've been to your place. You know what it's like. You know how you have that dresser in your room that's against the wall? (laughs) See, that's a pretty good guess, right? (laughs) Because all dressers are against walls. But no, no, no. I've been to your house astrally. Astrally traveled to your house. You have that dresser that's pressed up against your wall. You know the wall I'm talking about. There's a gap in between the wall and the dresser. It's pretty small, but it's there. And that's where you saw the movement, and you go, huh? It's impossible. So you kind of walk over there, and you're looking in between the dresser and the wall, and it's just the tiniest of all gaps. What do you see in there? A little hummingbird? What? And you're looking, and then you see it. You see a woman's eyeball staring back at you from the darkness. But it's not just the eyeball. It looks as if a human is standing back there. A young woman is looking at you. It's impossible. No human can fit back there. But a ghost could. A ghost known as Tsukima Ana, a.k.a. Gap Woman, because she lives in the Gaps. Or my favorite name, this is a real name, this is what they call her in Japan, One Millimeter Woman. Because she can exist in even something as small as one millimeter. So One Millimeter Woman is this ghost. <laughs> the name says it all, right? She lives in... Now, it doesn't have to just be one millimeter. You don't just move your dresser like a foot away from the wall and you're like, where are you going to live now? Now she's a foot wide. And it's not like she's a compressed, super squished up person. Imagine if you took someone and you could only see a millimeter of them. The rest of them was in the wall and the rest of them was in the dresser. And then if you moved the dresser, you would just see more of her. So she's not like she's all funny, squished up and she like waddles out like a pencil. That's all you can see of her. She can exist in any gap. This is a really, really old Japanese legend. It actually dates back 
to the Edo period. This is really, really funny because recently we did the story about how the samurai used to travel around the region, around Japan, looking for spooky stories to tell each other in the dark when they were playing the game. It was like the 100 Candle game or something like that. I'll put that episode in the show notes. But we recently covered that. This story started around the same time. And actually, the reason why we know that is because a samurai was collecting scary stories. And this samurai wrote 10 volumes of 100 scary stories. And one of them was the story of the one millimeter woman. So you go, okay, what does she do? (laughs) Other than bend the loss of time and space, you're like, yawn, boring. Other than that, other than existing where nothing should exist, she, her main power is to drive you mad. Because you will find no solace from the one millimeter woman. She will appear in any and all cracks. So they usually say, like, the, the one thing that people tend to do when they run into this girl is, first off, you would cover up the crack in between the dresser and the wall with some tape. But then you go into the bathroom, and you notice there's, like, the mirror is just cracked open a bit. The little door that has the mirror in it. I haven't been in your bathroom, so I don't know how to describe that. You see an eyeball staring out, huh? Sometimes when you sit down on your toilet seat, it's been a while since you fixed it, it wobbles. You probably need to put some caulk down. (laughs) She's down there. She's like, oh no, I hate being down here. You're rocking the toilet bowl back and forth. She's like, oh, this hurts. She can appear in any crack whatsoever. Cracked fingernail? She's in it. Actually, I I don't know if she can do that. But any crack in your house. So door cracks, cracks in your walls. Remember, she's one millimeter. So just a crack of paint on your wall... She's staring at you. So it drives people mad. So they try to tape it up. There's another version, and you just go crazy because you can never cover up. You basically develop OCD over cracks. You can never cover them all up and you go insane. That's one way she kills you. The other way is you fall in love with her because you're sitting there. You're a lonely soul. One millimeter woman comes and seeks you out and you're sitting there all alone and you meet another lonely soul staring at you from the millimeter crack in your wall. But you don't want to cover it up. You see this as a kindred spirit. It's really not. It's actually a form of brainwashing. Like, you might go, well, I'm lonely and she's lonely, so we'll not be lonely together. No, she feeds off your loneliness. She basically brainwashes you, so you can't you can't leave her. You're, you're getting nothing from the relationship. It's not like, hey, you want to watch television? <laughs> Make a huge gash in your wall and turn on some Seinfeld, and then she's just sitting on the couch next to you. It's all ripped open. No, she feeds off your loneliness. So don't think that you actually have a friend. The one millimeter woman is nobody's friend. She lives in your wall. She drives you insane. There's been stories of people going over and be like, hey, how come Ralph's not at work anymore? They show up at his house and Ralph is sitting there all emaciated. He's like, ugh. And then they're like, hey, how come you haven't left? And they're like, well, because my girlfriend's here. And then everyone turns and they look and he's pointing at a crack in the wall. They're like, Ralph, you have not been banging the wall, have you? He's like, no, 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 no. His eyes shift from side to side. He's like, okay, maybe a little. But but there's also a girl in the wall. And they're like, that's even more confusing. He's like, no, no, no. See? And he points and there's the one millimeter woman staring at them from the wall. And the friends leave. And he won't leave. He basically starves to death because he doesn't want to leave the girl alone. Plus, she's having a lot of fun with that hole in the wall. How do you get rid of the one millimeter woman? You don't. According to legend, she's there to stay, and they say if you see her, she'll follow you home. Tara was saying there was a theory about, could you lure the one millimeter woman to someone else's house? And she said, theoretically, yes. But in the stories, 
the woman doesn't tend to leave until the first person's dead. So it's kind of like the rain curse, but you can never get rid of it. You can only pass it on. You will die of it. So all the friends who came over to Ralph's house to see what he was doing, banging the wall, they would also all one day wake up and see this woman staring at him from a crack in the wall. And also they go, well, that wall, that hole in the wall, I shouldn't kink shame. Hmm. It's the year 2021. And they are all doomed to the same fate. There's also, because it's the year 2021, very inclusive year for ghosts, there is a male version of Tsukiyomo. I don't think he goes by the name the One Millimeter Man. Men tend not to have names based on tiny lengths. His name is Tsukama Otoko, or the Gap Man, which is a better name. So Gap Man is the same setup, but he's far more vicious. You're sitting in bed, you're flipping a coin in the air, and it falls and it rolls and it rolls against your dresser. You know where this is going. You get up, you're like, ah, oh, great. <laughs> I bet you there's a ghost in the dresser, right, Jason? I'm shaking my head. You walk up, you look behind the dresser, you see Gap Man. It's a dude. And he reaches out and he grabs you and yanks you into the gap, which is far more terrifying than slowly falling in love and starving to death. Getting yanked into, <laughs> getting my body yanked into a one millimeter gap is far scarier than, and he fell in love, and his friends never saw him again. What? That's super lame. And you don't just go into the gap. It's not like all of a sudden you have 280 pounds being pulled through a one millimeter gap, which is inconvenient at best, right? (laughs) At best, it would ruffle your suit. You also get sucked into another dimension. And so that there's that, too. It's not just the fact that your entire body is compressed to the width of a penny within a split second. You're also then, you're like, oh, that wasn't so bad. I mean, I died instantly, but then you're floating in some sort of dark, eternal hell dimension. Nobody has time for that. Unless you're in there and time is meaningless. That's super spooky. So, again, that's up. That's one up on one millimeter woman. And Gapman's even more proactive than that. He will appear behind you. He doesn't even have to live in gaps. This dude has it all. This guy's basically just the ghost whose hobby is gaps. One millimeter woman, that's her whole existence. He pops up behind you. You're walking through your house, gap-free house. You're living in a giant domed circle with no furniture. He'll just appear behind you and go, let's play hide and seek. Now, I don't know if he he sounds like Beetlejuice. Hubba hubba. But he'll jump behind you and he'll say, let's play hide and seek. And then he's it. Did you like the spooky sound effect? That wasn't me. That was the actual door outside being super spooky. You then have to run and you have to run and hide from a man who can exist in one millimeter cracks. So the point is you can never hide. So it's kind of just a messed up game. So he just pulls you into the hell dimension. Like that's it. Same thing, same end result. Um, there's just, he, he likes a little bit of chase in it that time. So still super spooky. Apparently, if you guys have been turned on by the fetish of a young woman staring at you from a crack in the wall, there are ways you can indulge this. Can you believe this? There are ways you can indulge this fetish online. First off, there's a movie called The Spirit Behind the Door that's available on Amazon. There's also a book called Sukiona. It's about a gap girl who lives behind this guy's dresser, and then she starts eating human food, and she gains a bunch of weight, and the she's no longer one millimeter, now she's a normal girl, and she walks up from behind the dresser, and I'm assuming she bangs the dude at some point. 
like a romance thing, there's that. If you're into tiny women, if you're into tiny women, if you have a feeder fetish, you're tight, you into one millimeter women growing, check out that book. And and then the movie as well, you can watch that. So there you go. The story of the one millimeter woman, aka gap woman. She may be watching you right now as you're sitting in your room listening to this or you're driving your truck at night listening to this or you're just out fishing listening to this. Be aware of the cracks around you. All of the cracks. They're everywhere. Because right behind you, right in front of you, right underneath you, there may be an eyeball watching you. And then be like, that's gross. I can't believe you just did that. You're all picking your nose. And the eyeball like looks away. Godrilla, I'm going to toss you the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We are going to leave behind Japan. We are headed out to Hanover, Germany. <laughs> Carpenter Copter is flying across Europe. We're headed back to September 26th, 1975. First off, I want to give a shout out to a Reddit user known as Dr. Winter. They compiled a bunch of research. I had vague memories of this story, but they were able to compile all this research that I cribbed a lot of the notes from. So I want to give a shout out to the people who've worked hard before me. Thank you very much, Dr. Winter. It's September 26, 1975, and Godrilla, I want you to land this Carpenter Copter right there. We're in Hanover, Germany. Specifically, bring the Carpenter Copter down to the Schneller Graben hydroelectric power plant. We're getting out, we're walking around, and right when we get there, we see a bunch of German police officers just kind of shaking their head. They're like, how dare they let that gorilla fly that helicopter? No, they're not shaking their head at us. They're shaking their head at the water. <laughs> they're like, how dare you gum here, water? They're watching a man fish out a body. A body of a dismembered young woman. This is a dark episode, but it's an interesting one. Probably should have given you that warning before I mentioned dismembered woman. But what are you going to do? It's not like I can go back and edit stuff out of the show. They find this torso of this woman floating in the water. Estimated age, 23 to 25 years old. They believe she'd been floating in the water for around two weeks. Her arms and legs had been taken off with a circular saw of some kind. Even though the arms and legs had been chopped off of this woman's body, apparently at least one of the arms, if not more, there's only two, but one of the arms, if not other body parts, were wrapped to the torso with some rope. So it was like a bundle floating down the estuary. So they had fingerprints. They had no head on this woman, but they had fingerprints. But the fingerprints came up as no match. They could tell that this woman at some point had given birth to a child and had a scar on her abdomen. That was September 26, 1975. February 21st, 1976. Parts of a woman, 25 years old, began appearing all over Hanover, Germany. Over the next seven days, they find, at one point... Half of her torso, so it's like it's been sliced down the middle, they find the left half of her torso. A couple days later, they find the right half of her torso. In between two parked cars in a parking lot, they find the woman's thorax sliced in two, just sitting there between two parked cars. Now, I'm not laughing at what happened to the woman. I'm laughing at the people who discovered it. Because that's just awful. That's just absolutely awful. But anyways, they find her leg in a dumpster, sticking out of a dumpster near an all-girls school. No idea who this woman is. It's a different woman than the first one, though. They know that. Because the first one, they have the whole torso. 
This one, it's a sliced up torso. May 28th to June 11th, 1977. Six body parts of a young man. Are you like Jason? Are you just listening? <laughs> Is the rest of this segment just you listing off body parts? I it, Kind of. <laughs> kind of. But I'm going somewhere with this. I have to list them all. May 28th to June 11th, 1977. Six different body parts of a young man, age 17 to 18, are found at the hydroelectric plant. One a week. Always on the weekend. No clue of who this victim is either. And at this point, the police are starting to think, okay, so we're always finding... Uh, the first body, they believe, was in the water for two weeks, but the other things they're, they're finding in these patterns. They go, someone's definitely leaving these out on purpose. They're doing it to shock people. And this last guy, it was happening every Saturday, we'd find another body part. So this guy probably works Monday through Friday, which is basically like 80% of the population. Also, I don't see why you couldn't dump body parts on your way home from work. But that was their working theory. June 5th, 1977, during that same body-dropping spree, the arm of a 50-year-old man was found at the hydroelectric power plant. So now he's just dropping multiple people at the same time. July 10th, 1977, just a month later, the lower body of a 40-year-old woman is found in a nearby forest. She had been cut with a machine saw. The coroner, this is the first time that the coroner says... This person was uh, murdered before they were chopped up. And you go, well, obviously, Jason, all these people were murdered. Well, first, one of the theories was that someone was doing this as a prank. It was medical students, because we know how funny those guys tend to be. Medical students were dropping body parts to be funny. People thought maybe these were grave robberies, because they couldn't match any of these victims to missing people. This was the first one that goes, no, this person was murdered. So this isn't a prank, unless those college students are really getting out of hand. This isn't a prank. Like, this person was murdered and then chopped up. They could actually see violence done to the body pre-mortem. This one, they said, this woman, they noticed, she had evidence that she had an appendectomy. She had her appendix removed. And she had a child. They could tell that from the remains. That was on July 10th, 1977. December 18th, 1977. The upper body of a 50 to 60 year old woman is found on a dirt road. They find strangulation marks on her neck, again showing that this woman had been murdered. Cause of death is ruled as a suffocation. She had an appendectomy and had given birth to at least one child. These victims have never been identified. Ever. To this day, people have no idea who these victims are. The serial killer, the saw killer of Hanover, is the name the media gave him, has never been identified. There's been suspects but it's never been identified. Let's put our conspiracy caps on for this one, guys. And I don't mean any disrespect to the families. But we don't even know who the families are, actually, now that we think about it. One of the theories the police had was that this guy was a butcher. And he's chopping these people up, and he was freezing them for a while and then disposing of the bodies, and that's why they didn't know who they were. But that doesn't make sense. It's not like someone goes missing, and you're like, oh, no, my son's been missing for two weeks. What? What's I forgot his name. I don't remember his name. No matter how long you froze a body, people are still going to know these people are missing. So here's my theory. Conspiracy cap fully on, guys. Here's my theory. There's four women and two men killed. And out of the four women, three of them have two things in common. One of them isn't that rare, though. You have three of the women. The first one and the last two, they all gave birth to a child. That's not super unique among women. 
But what are the chances of all of them having appendectomies? Now, you go, Jason, the first one didn't have an appendectomy. You didn't say that, at least. And I know how good you are with your notes. No, but the first one had a scar on her abdomen. So, could that have been an appendectomy scar? The other body of the woman... Also, the ages are interesting, too. The first woman is 23 to 25. The second woman is 25 years old. That's what they determined. And then the last two was a 40-year-old woman and then a 50 to 60-year-old woman. The one who was 25 years old, her body was cut in half. Um, I don't know if they could determine if that body had also given birth uh, due to the injuries. I'm not for sure on that. But, conspiracy caps fully on... What if the victim is the same woman? What if this killer is killing the same woman in different time periods? He kills her when she's 23. He kills her when she's 25. He kills her when she's 40. He kills her when she's in her 50s. And that's why she has the same markers. What if that's the reason why these women are never able to be identified? Because they're not even from this time period. If you have a 23-year-old body, you can start to look at 23-year-old women who've gone missing the past couple weeks, past couple months, but you're not going to think to go back a past couple years. If a 25-year-old woman went missing in 1966, well, she's not going to be 25 in 1976. You're not really going to think about that. And if if a woman went missing in 1966, could you freeze the body that long? I mean, technically you could. You could freeze the body that long. But there would be evidence that the body was frozen that long. Because I've seen movies. I saw Demolition Man. They'd have little icicles on them. You know what I mean? They would be able to tell. They wouldn't be able to tell if the body had been frozen for two weeks. But they could tell that it was in deep storage for ten years. But what if the victim didn't go missing in 1966? What if the victim went missing in 1466? Or in 2066 for that matter? You're just finding body parts. You're not finding their clothes. You're not finding their, like, caveman racks or their Jetson clothes. It's been over 40 years. This, these crimes happened when I was born. It's been over 40 years, and we have no idea who the victims are. I, a lot of times we have no idea who the killers are. We have six different victims and no idea. With fingerprints, we have no idea who these people are. DNA test, nothing. This is a cold case, nothing. They cannot figure out who these people are. Is it possible that they're not from around here? And I don't mean they're not from Hanover, Germany. They're not from this time period. I'm not saying that every unidentified person that is found murdered is the victim of a time-traveling serial killer. But is it possible that some of them are? The past would be the perfect place to dump bodies. Because you never, you would know, there would just be some weird mystery. These people were found, no one knows what happened to them. You could dump corpses in the past, no problem. And you never get found out for your murders in the future. And this killer, the saw killer of Hanover, Germany, may have actually been traveling through time, killing the same woman over and over again. Which just sounds absolutely horrific. And it would actually be an interesting look at how time travel works. Like, maybe he really wanted to kill this woman, but no matter how many times he kills her in the time stream, she still gets older and lives a normal life. He has to literally keep executing her over and over again. But time isn't a confined loop like that. Now, as to the two men who died, one of them, it was his arm, came just floating down the river. 
The other one was a bunch of severed body parts of a young man. I don't know. Maybe that's the same dude. <laughs> Maybe that's the same dude too, but I, I, there's no evidence for that. There's not much evidence for my other theory as well, but that one, we just see some body parts of a young man and then eventually an old man's arm flowing down the river. But now that I think about it, those two happened at the same time. Let me look back at my notes. Yeah. That's the only time that the body parts were kind of getting mingled together. So maybe that also is the same boy. What if... Dude, check this out. There is a interdimensional time traveler who is a serial killer. But technically he's not a serial killer because he just keeps killing the same woman over and over again. But twice he was stopped. The first time as a young man... The woman turned his own blade on him and chopped his body up and threw him through the time portal where his body parts landed in the river. He threw... <laughs> now that I think about it, she would have had to throw one through the portal every Saturday. But actually, no, that I think about it, it's time travel. So she threw them all at one point in the time portal because time doesn't really matter with time travel. One fell through every Saturday. And then the killer came back as an adult man, as a 50-year-old man, and she stopped him again. But this time she was only able to cut off one of his arms. And that arm fell through the portal. But he learned from that mistake. There were no more male body parts found. Now the saw killer of Hanover was one-armed. But he still was able to kill that woman two more times. So how would you stop a time-traveling serial killer? Obviously... That starts a whole process of, well, they would know they were coming back to be hunted because they would know that they had got caught in the future and all sorts of stuff. And what it sounds like from this story, if we go with the time travel hypothesis, is that you can't really stop the time stream. If he killed the woman when she was 23, but then he's able to kill the woman when she's 60, obviously she was able to age up. So time isn't as cut and dry as we think it is. But for whatever reason, he's taking out these different versions and dumping the body parts in Hanover, Germany. It's a bizarre theory over a real-world crime. It's a, taking a real-life series of murders and putting a sci-fi veneer on it, turning it in basically a short story. But it's an interesting concept nonetheless. The coincidences are bizarre. And it opens up that question of how would you stop a time-traveling serial killer? And it also opens up the question is this. Whenever we think about time travel, obviously the question is, would you go back and kill Hitler? Would you go back and kill Hitler as a baby? Would you go back and kill Hitler's great-great-grandparents? How do you know that you're not destined to be an evil of humanity? How do we know that? Hitler wasn't 10 years old and being like, you know what, someday I'm totally going to just destroy Europe. He's just playing with planes and stuff, picking his nose. So when a time traveler comes back and confronts you, puts that gun to the back of your head and proclaims, I'm doing this for all of humanity. Will you take that bullet? Will you believe that he is right? That you are destined to become sort of blight on the planet? That's an interesting question. But what the Saw Killer of Hanover reveals is it might not be that simple. No matter how many times you kill someone in the past or in the future, time requires them to exist. The Saw Killer of Hanover may be a story of brutal unsolved murders in a small German city. Or it may be proof of the complications that involve time travel. No matter what you do, you cannot stop the future. So when that time travel does pull that trigger 
and blows your brains out trying to save humankind, he doesn't realize you are still destined to destroy us all. And somehow, you will do it. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com. You didn't think you were going to be the villain in this episode, did you? Ha ha, plot twist. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.